Welcome to an Upside Down World. The podcast from T-Fund Australia with your hosts, Joel McCarrow and Grace Nahum. Welcome to week six of our podcast. Welcome. How exciting, how exciting. Um, Today we're going to be talking about pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That's a that's a that's a, all of these I wrestle with as you hear throughout the um, the interviews that we do. I really wrestle uh, and struggle with how these paradoxical things come together. Mm, absolutely, and what what a wise thing to place this beatitude towards the back end of the beatitudes. I think if it was the first one, I'd mm. be like, oh no, Jesus, no thanks, can't do it, <laughs> just can't, can't do it. So we're gonna we're gonna be reflecting today with Jacinta. Just into train from up in Queensland, a a doctor, Mm. which is going to be wonderful. Um, And first up, there's a poem. I think it's from me. Is that right? Absolutely. Joel will be sharing a poem about Atana, a single mum living in the remote province of West Papua. There is a falsity about me too often, a declaration of belief with no follow through. An intention with no action. An action that is born more of puffing myself up than the genuine desire to help. It's the pretense that comes with just trying to prove myself. Pure of heart, it is a myth, surely. And I need to own this. My ability to deceive the world around me, to deceive myself. Purity is a word too pure for me. Unless, unless perhaps it is a word not based on perfection, but on something much profounder. Think of a mother. Think of Artana in West Papua, a land occupied, denied autonomy, forced under Indonesian rule. And beneath the politics is the people just trying to survive, the farmers, domestic violence, HIV, inadequate healthcare, the single mothers. Atana and her boy, flesh of her flesh, so skinny, so sick, too sick, too sick, nearing death, he is malnourished. Does God hear the cries of the desperate mother? With a love so much purer than any notion of perfection. Who gives a toss about perfection when your son is dying? Does God hear the cries of the powerless heartbeats that seek just to be seen? Not seen like I seek to be seen, admonished and put on a pedestal for all my good actions and intentions. No, just seen. Just to have their humanity honoured. Like the people who came to Atana with the nutrition her baby needed. With training and health education, a single mother, no uncommon story, learning how to care for her child in such harsh conditions from malnutrition, slowly he came back to health. No uncommon story. This is no uncommon love. How this mother loves such love. It is so pure, not perfect, but This posture of love toward a child, toward the other, 
toward the self. May I give myself no shame for not having it perfect. No shame. 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 Purity is so much profounder than perfection when it is coated in love. Mother, Atana, the pure in heart, they shall see God for their lives are coated in love. And where there is love, there you will see God. Joel, that was amazing. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. I mean, West Papua is is hugely something that uh, is on my heart and has been a reality um, in my life that I've thought a lot about. Um, I did mm. some work with some West Papuan um, asylum seekers who came over a number of years ago. And so the story of West Papua is just massive mm. in love itself and people really need to do research and and have a look at the reality of what's been happening over there for many many years and the mm. free west papua movement and wow. um, it's quite an incredible thing and so then to be able to zero in on someone's life mm. um, within west papua and get to share about them is it's massive i love mm. it yeah and i think i mean a common theme within indigenous cultures is just the way that they seem to listen to the land and mm. respect it mm. um and with that in mind i just want to acknowledge the traditional owners of our land i'm in the sutherland shire so i want to acknowledge the traditional owners that are the darawal people and coming from melbourne uh, i want to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the wurundjeri country uh wurundjeri people of the kulin nations um, and thank them for um, this beautiful ability to to get to listen to stories uh, and chat through stories on their land. Mm. Um, now we're going to be hearing from Jacinta Trang. Yes. Uh, do you want to tell us about Jacinta? Absolutely. Jacinta is a doctor working on the Gold Coast, an avid reader and an enthusiastic runner. She is passionate about creation care, community outreach, as well as finding ways to address health in- inequities and is on a journey of learning what God's heart is for each of these areas. Mm, Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jacinta. So good to be sitting here in three different states. I'm in uh, Victoria and Grace is in in New South Wales. And we have Jacinta Trang here from Queensland in the sunny, sunny Gold Coast. Is it sunny in the Gold Coast today, Jacinta? It is, it's beautiful today. Oh, nice, nice. Welcome welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of it. I'm really excited to be speaking to you both. Yeah, no worries at all. I, I don't, this is like the first time I've ever met you, I think. I think you got connected to 
um, tier fund and all that we're doing through the justice conference and things like that. Probably there's, there wouldn't be too many people who know who you are on the podcast. Maybe just share, can you share a little bit about yourself? What does life look like for you at the moment? Who is Jacinta Trang? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Jacinta Trang. Um, so I was born and raised in Sydney, uh, moved up to the Gold Coast to start studying medicine. Um, so I'm currently an intern at the Gold Coast University Hospital um, and we're moving to Brisbane next year. Um, in terms of what I like to do, um, I love to run. I've recently gone back into swimming and biking. Um, so oh, did a wow. triathlon this year. Yes, um, I also, <laughs> also love reading um, a whole multitude of books. Um, um, and yeah, I, I guess, um, and also a big advocate for social justice and learning how to interlink that with faith and with my work in the health sphere as well. Uh, so what's your favorite book at the moment? Oh, so it is, it's this year, it's got to be the Tim Costello book, A Lot With Little, ah. but a book that I've also really like and have come back to many multiple times throughout the years is Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Yeah, I, I remember reading that at my old church when I was a teenager, maybe something oh, like wow. that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Totally. And the videos, the videos they'd show at church with his like Hawaiian uh, shirts. Do you remember <laughs> them? I think I, I think I remember the shirts more than the messages. <laughs> <laughs> Why the purpose-driven life still after, because it's been around for so many years, why is yeah. that still a thing? Yeah, so um, I randomly picked up that book at a Lifeline Book Fest um, probably five years ago, and mm. then I ended up giving that book away to someone and then found it again at another Lifeline Book Fest. And so yeah. this time I was like, okay, now I've got to read it. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I think it just brings me back to um, the purpose. You know, um, it's a really fresh reminder which I like to read every December um, of what we're here on this earth to do. Mm. Um, there's so many distractions in this world. And so I think it's always so important for me um, to come back to what is most important. That's so true. And I think often we overlook um, the effectiveness of repetition of going back to the books that have really moved you um, mm. in your faith and yeah. just digesting them over and over again. I, I love that you do that every December. How cool to walk into the next year being reminded of something like that. That's awesome. Jacinta, so we're looking at the Beatitudes um, at the moment. What, what do they mean to you? And particularly, what do they mean to you uh, during this Lent period? Um, I think like the Beatitudes were something that Jesus, you know, kicked off his ministry with. Um, and I think it reminds us and brings us back to what matters most. And, you know, um, the, the, it starts every single line with you know, blessed, which I guess means in Hebrew is like spiritual happiness. And so I think it reminds us of, um, you know, the fact that these spiritual qualities that God gives us, which is an inversion of what society actually tells us is, you know, the definition of happiness, um, you know, brings us back to what actually gives us meaning. Um, and so I think it is a reminder that God actually cares most about our heart condition. Um, yeah. And it's not about, you know, making grand gestures for him or demonstrations um, of our love and obedience towards him, but it's simply and truly just a reflection of, you know, who we are and like, I guess, his desire for what we should be truly desiring in our own lives and in our own hearts. 
I like that word. Maybe I just heard the word. Maybe you said it. I think I heard the word inverted. Did you say an inversion? Yeah. I really like that word um, in probably in relation to kind of subversion and being subversive as well. Like we have the the dominant kind of version or the story that society sells us that that our world is about and that life is about. <laughs> and then to invert that, to turn that, is inverting turn that around or turn in, inside out or upside down, that kind of idea um, speaks beautifully, I think, to what the Beatitudes are all about. Um, where we want to zero in on one uh, in particular. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Is a it's quite a massive. I don't. Maybe it's one of the ones I struggle with the most. I don't know in terms of the Beatitudes, because I think like none of us. Are pure in heart really like let's be honest here on the podcast yeah. <laughs> um, we even in our desires to do right in the world even in our desires to engage with social justice issues like yeah. we all have false motivations and and I don't think there's any way to separate that so is that so what I'm wondering maybe you could speak to this Jacinta is yeah. what's this speaking to like if it's not about because we know that we just we can't be perfect in purity of heart what what does this actually look like or what's it speaking to for you what are you hearing this yeah that's great um so like in terms of purity of heart I think the one thing we do need to recognize is that it doesn't come from us it's Uh, that we actually attain from God himself when we accept him into our life and it's a it's not like a one-stop shop like we are on a continual journey of learning what it means to purify our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Grace asked me to t- talk on this topic, um, you know, the first thing that came in mind was actually the concept of fire. Um, and there's a song that I've been listening to for the past year and it's been on repeat on my Spotify playlist yeah. it's called fire by Maverick City Music. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, the concept of purity and how, you know, I'll, I'll give it an analogy of um, metal being um, put in the fire, you know. Um, so, you know, when, when a blacksmith puts metal in a fire to be able to make something, it requires for that metal to, you know, all the impurities come to the top. Yeah. And so when that happens, the metal then becomes a liquid form. And so from that liquid form, we, it can then be molded and then it becomes, um, I guess, a reflection can then be shown on the surface once the impurities are removed. And so I think in a similar way, you know, God refines us so that his image is reflected in us. So I think it's so important as we step into talking on this topic that we recognize that it doesn't come from us trying to make ourselves pure, but it's a God who actually shapes our hearts and our minds in a way that begins to reflect him because of mm. who he is and the grace that he gives us. Mm. Yeah, right. Um, it sounds like we're talking to an engineer, not a doctor right now. Yeah. About- <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm struck by that metaphor just in the sense of like that it's bloody hot um, to be burnt in the fire uh, yeah. and to, to go through uh, to go through that kind of purifying um, yes. hurts in some ways. Yeah. Like it's it's a letting, I don't know, I'm wondering, my, my question around it I, I think is when for you, taking this away maybe from theory, we can come back and, and chat more around kind of the theory and ideas around it, but I'd love to hear, is there a story that you can reflect on from your life mm. that's like, 
when it hurt and but out of this there came a change in your inner life which then as the verse says then plays out in your outer life in terms of experiencing god and seeing god um yeah yeah, i just i'd love to hear kind of maybe this as we enter into chatting about this stuff whether there's a story from your life that that you can think of yeah no definitely and i think um when again when grace asked me to speak on this topic um it was a real honor and you know i think to me um like it was kind of a God thing um, because I think I definitely have gone through a process of needing to be refined. Um, and so like being vulnerable here, you know, because um, we're on this podcast and I'm, I'm open to be, you know. Go for it. We love vulnerability. Um, yeah. I think, you know, stepping out of high school, that which was when I first found Christ, um, probably in around like year 10, stepping out of high school and moving straight into a new state um, and living away from home. Um, I, I was challenged. I think, you know, my foundations weren't particularly strong given I was from a Catholic background and was only just really finding that relationship with Jesus and, you know, realizing who he was, um, through, you know, the Bible. And, um, I guess there weren't too many people who were Christian around me at that time. Um, and so, um, I, yeah, was in a relationship with someone who was not Christian um, and it was really, I guess, a testing time because I was so conflicted. I knew that, you know, that wasn't what God has, I guess, intended for us in the Bible. Um, And on top of that, like I was, um, yeah, I really wanted to bring him to Christ um, because Mm -hmm. I also knew the truth and God had spoken so clearly to me. And so I began to question theology. I was like, so why aren't certain people saved? And, um, you know, I really struggled with it. But at the same time, you know, God was there continually refining me and, you know, giving him my, like, give, I guess, like pouring his grace on me and leading me through that season. Um, mm. And so I, I've, you know, I made mistakes in those seasons and I wasn't perfect and I, you know, I don't feel like I was, despite my best efforts, was able to be the best representation of Christ um, to the people around me. But I think from that, I I learned so much. And so, you know, stepping out of that relationship, I was able to draw closer to God. And that was like five years ago. And so since then, I've, yeah, been on a journey of just like submitting myself to God and realizing that, you know, what I want doesn't necessarily always align with him, but I need to trust with, you know, him with the process and allow him to continually to just, I guess, um, shape me to become who he needs me to be for the people around me and for him. Mm. Wow. Wow, Jacinta, thank you so much for sharing. That must have been Oh, that must have been such a hard season. And I think um, an element of that is um, having to, in a sense, walk away from uh, your partner's faith story. And and you'd probably been praying for him. And um, yeah, and, and I, like that would have just been ah, so such a trial, such a struggle. Um, to just trust God with someone who you've cared so deeply for. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but it's been such, it was such a teaching moment for me in terms of the way that I, I guess, speak about Christ with others because it I've no longer put that pressure on me to be able to bring them to Christ, but I know that it's mm-hmm. God through me that He is planting seeds, no matter whether I see the fruit of that or not. 
Um, I, I'd love to hear like um, coming out of that period where you um, came into um, knowing Christ, etc. Was it at that point that social just, like you said, you're passionate about social justice and that kind of thing, was it at that point that social justice became um, a reality for you or did that come along later and what did, what did that kind of journey look like for you? Yeah, so I think my social justice journey has been one that God has been slowly instilling me even since a child, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I was that little kid in the playground who used to pick up rubbish um, for, like, at recess. It was a bit ridiculous now. I think. <laughs> but I'd literally go around with my little garbage bag and just, like, pick up rubbish. Oh, <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> um, and, yeah, no, no one around me did that. It was just something that, I guess, God, even from a young age, had given me a passion for. Um, and was so that I was like, by your family at such a young age, or you? No, like, no, it was just no. something in you that needed. Wow. Yeah, up. it was really, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Yeah. Wow. Um, but even since then, like you know, I you know was part of the green team going up like in high school as well led that and you know tried to implement some things during like in my school and then I think like it became more than just you know um, caring for the environment Um, I think when I stepped into my faith um, which was in year 10 Mm. um, and that was also interlinked with my passion to do medicine um, I guess God put that desire for me to do missions um, on my heart and to be able to really care for those in need and those who, you know, are in, um, I guess, developing country, yeah, developing countries that perhaps don't have um, what we have. Um, And so I think from there, like with that resolve that, you know, God had called me to medicine and um, towards those people, I think that was when I started to ask myself, like, so what does that look like? And, you know, as I read into, um, different social justice issues, um, even stepping out of high school and starting my um, journey in the Gold Coast. Um, I think he's just planted just so many different seeds, like different people that I met, um, as well as, you know, the Justice Conference and being able to, um, you know, start just like exploring that. And then following that, then like went on a missions trip to India, you know, was able to actually do... um, only a little bit of medicine there because I was still a medical student. Yeah. Um, but being able to go um, around a small town in India with a pastor who, you know, served in so many different different spheres in his church there mm-hmm. um, and really seeing his heart and being able to really walk directly with him. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that was like the, that was like kind of like the moment for me. Like I was like, wow, like, this can actually, this and faith can actually be aligned. Like I, I, until really the last few years, I often saw them as two different things. Like either oh, no. you're a Christian or like you, you know, pursued social justice. And I, I had never really been able to see anyone do that well together. Yeah. But I think, I guess, yeah, like the last two years has been really, really um, impactful in my walk in that I was leading a, um, a national um, medical students global health conference 
Um, and on top of that, I was part of Tear Fund. And so in that group was able to learn the biblical truth behind social justice. Mm. And so I felt that, yeah, I guess um, being able to walk in those two spheres and, you know, trying to bring them together um, has been really interesting. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to continue to walk in this journey and to learn more, um, really. Has it been hard as well? Like has um, it, especially in terms of being supported, like if you were part of a community that that hadn't kind of connected faith and social justice, yeah. the mm. church community or whatever, hadn't connected those things for you. Has that been like, is it a lonely journey? As, or a- yeah, that's a really great question. <laughs> wow, Joel. Um, yeah, you definitely spoke to my heart there. <laughs> I think it's not something that I verbalise too often. Um, mm. But I think definitely when I first started maybe two years ago, um, yeah, being on those two different ends, like having a few people who are Christians but not no one in my state because they're all in New South Wales um, and, like, in Queensland they were all, um, like, there was, I, don't, I think I was the only Christian really um, or one of the very few Christians on my team of, like, 70. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, I think, quite lonely in that I think I also tried to, you know, talk to people at church about it and I think, that I perhaps didn't always quite get the same enthusiasm and passion um, from people that I thought. I think because, like, sometimes when we're super passionate about something, we just expect other people to be. Um, So it has been a journey and, you know, I think um, I've been trying to make small little steps in my own um, um, church um, in that, for example, we um, started, you know, focusing more on local missions. And so last year I was able to um, actively be a Hanson Fee in part one of those um, organisations that they were supporting. Um, it's called Set Free Care and they're an organisation in um, Southport who basically um, do like a lot of different community events for the homeless um, on the Gold mm-hmm. Coast. So, you know, I was able to serve food for them and just have conversations with them, which I found most, um, I guess, um, yeah, the most beautiful part of it. Um, and then this year, um, you know, was able to be part of the team who helped to run a, like a whole Gold Coast event where we um, partnered with five different organisations and was able to, again, help with set free care, but then also help with a um, with a few women who were in a um, domestic violence, um, I guess, right. shelter. Um, and was able to pick up rubbish on the street, which is, again, something I, I always come back to. <laughs> it's, it's important. Um, and um, we also helped with the Red Cross Lifeblood um, and got people yeah. in our shirts to donate with that. And while, while it was only a one-day thing, I, I was really, really encouraged to be able to see the church do it together because I think that was something that perhaps was a longing in my heart that I hadn't seen for years and so it's been so so encouraging to see my Mm. church walk into that um and to be a part of um I guess making that vision come to life as well even in the smallest ways that's That's great that's beautiful um yeah, so the the beatitude is um, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Have you have you seen God um, through these experiences? What 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 does that actually look like? Um, do you think to see God? Yeah, I think um, 
in terms of seeing God, I think it looks very different for every person um, mm-hmm. because no, I guess, yeah, our faith is all very different and we all have different um, personal walks and experiences that lead us to him. Um, for me, I find um, I'm most connected with God when I read the word and when I listen to worship music. Mm. Um, I find that, yeah, I think I just I just stop sometimes and I read the word and I'm just like, wow, you know, like I never want to take this for granted that your living and breathing word is literally given to us to, to not just for us but for the people around us. Um, and yeah, I think, um, in terms of like being able to see God, it looks like, you know, just being in his presence. I think, you know, knowing that we're going to walk into everlasting joy with him after we are done here on this earth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just being, I guess, continually just allowing ourselves to be, you know, awestruck by who he is, um, and never becoming complacent, um, with, I guess, our relationship with him. Yeah. Um, knowing that he is always beside us and he is always going to comfort us and he has grace for us. And um, because of that, we can extend that to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I am wondering, like, it's easy to take this, it's easy to see how this pure in heart idea relates to kind of our own individual spiritual lives in some sense. Um, uh, I'm wondering how it plays out being pure in heart in regards to our engagement with social justice. Um, and uh, I was I was thinking about this um, and reflecting on in the message version of, of this, uh, it says you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right, and yeah. then you can see God in the outside world. Yeah. So it's like the inner the inner working happens to then be able to see God in the outside world. I'm wondering if you want to speak to that. How, how do you feel like this relates for you in regards to your, to your social justice journey that um, checking your own, maybe false motivations, like, or, yeah. Or what, yeah, what that looks like for you? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I think how, I guess I'll phrase, I, I guess I'll answer this question is, Um, firstly talking about maybe what it means to be pure in heart within ourselves before we you know go and try and help other people Um, and so I think like the one thing that I've always you know been struck by is you know God desires for our heart condition to be right Um, and so his desire isn't necessarily you know to change our conduct it's firstly to change our heart and from that overflow, our conduct will change. Um, And I think that, um, you know, God sees our hearts and he sees why we do the things that we do. Um, And so I think an important question that I always ask myself is why? Like why am I doing this? Why do I want to pursue this, you know, um, social justice topic or why am I interested in it or like why do I want to go go overseas to do missions you know um, I really had to tackle those questions because I like I think very easily it can become self-serving and you know we don't mean for it to be and we always have like I think as humans we most people you know want to do good in this world mm. but it's not enough to just do good I think at the end of the day I think purity of heart is actually alignment with God's heart and being single-minded 
And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I think I was I was reading a book recently, and it's by Soren Kierkegaard. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have heard of him, yeah, but yeah. he talks about purity of heart. You know, is the will to do one thing. Um, and so at the end of the day, it comes back to having a heart that hungers to know God and a thirst to like actually live like him, um, you know, to actually submit ourselves to him and align ourselves with his truth and magnify him in what we do. Um, and so I think like it's, it's not something that we're ever going to be perfect in. And I think it's something that we always need to continually come back to and allow him again as I was saying, to refine us and to bring out the impurities that come along the way, the distractions that come, the you know ne- the motivations that are perhaps not pure that also seep in um, as we you know try and um, champion a cause. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think you know my favorite Bible verse is Hebrews twelve two, and it all it talks about you know fixing our eyes on Jesus, you know who is the author and perfecter of our faith, mm. um, you know and. I think, yeah, like I think when we remind ourselves that that is our cause, first and foremost, I think that is when we can be most effective in our, um, you know, our pursuit to achieve social justice. Because I was reading a book this year and it was called When Helping Hurts. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it was a very, it was, yeah, it was challenging. I was like, I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable at times. Um, but I, I thought it was, I thought, I think it's definitely a book that, you know, anyone on the social justice journey should what read. What was challenging about it? What was making you uncomfortable around it? Yeah. Um, I think, like, it spoke about um, pretty much, like, it was in this perspective of, you know, overseas um like work and how the downfalls of it at times, for example, like one that always strikes me was there was an organization that, you know, built wells and they built plenty of wells in, you know, different places overseas. But then um, there was, you know, research done a few years later and it was discovered that like barely anyone used those wells. Hmm. Um, and the reason was they, they weren't in the proper location. You know, the water wasn't drinkable because some of the places that they drilled it in was, you know, um, impure. Um, and so I think, you know, that, I guess like that then go, went to show me, I was like, wow, like we can sometimes have the best intentions, but unless we truly listen to the people that we're actually caring for and un- unless we truly, you know, find out what they need, um, mm. sometimes we're actually doing more harm than good um, mm-hmm. in our pursuit. Yeah. And I think as a doctor, um, that's something that, yeah, I guess has shaped my work as well this year, moving into hospital um, and having more autonomy as well. I think, um, we can often so easily try and fix other people, um, mm. which is, you know, where I'm in a, like, I'm in a helper role um, as a doctor. And yeah. so, like, I think we're all inclined to, you know, want to, you know, do a quick fix, but sometimes it it's not that simple. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, the best medicine can actually just be listening to someone mm. and their story Um and yeah, I have a really beautiful example of that um, while I was in surgery. But I think just listening to them and actually knowing what the core root is um, allows us to be more effective on our social justice journey. Totally. And it's so reflective of the fact that God is such a relational God. Mm. Um, but I, if you're willing to share, I'd love to, we'd love to hear the example. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I won't share names, um, sure. but. 
this lady, um, she was a um, 80 year old lady who came in um, after having chronic pain for the past six months and she was at the complete end. Mm. She um, caught us up in our clinic um, for our check, like while we were checking her up and basically um, told us that she no longer wanted to live um, and she was going to do something about that. And so we immediately, you know, had to get the police in um, and bring her into hospital. Um, And because she had a extensive like mental health history and like there was like there was so many tests done and no one could find the cure for it um everyone was just like oh like it's just in your head like and that's what she'd been told for like so so long um and so I think like even when she came into hospital I think a few of the doctors around me were like oh like it's just in her head um and so perhaps didn't address her needs as much as um, they could have um, and so I identified that and I remember this, like this very day I think is something that will stick with me um, like honestly for for the rest of my career um, I, I had clinic at one and um, one of the nurses came in at like 12 30 and I was like oh no I'm gonna miss lunch <laughs> um, and yeah they were like oh like she really needs pain relief um, and but, and then they were like, oh, but don't worry about giving it to her. I think it's in her head. And I was like, no, like, what? Um, and so I actually walked into her room and I was like, hey, like, you know, I've heard you've been in pain. Um, can you tell me more about that? And so I just sat with her by the hospital window and we talked for probably like 40 minutes. So I was late to clinic, but I really did feel that God was calling me to be there and just sit with her as she cried on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And... I think like, yeah, like, you know, I was able to speak just words of hope and truth about her. Um, she had so many, you know, reservations about taking certain medications and, you know, for months people had been trying to get her to, but she just wasn't. But somehow, I think through the grace of God, you know, and just like being, I guess, able to perform that relationship with her, she was able to trust me and we were able to try a certain new medication that um, she had been unwilling to try for months. Wow. Um, and so... Yeah, basically she had it, which was to the surprise of many, many people around us. And the next day, it was like a miracle, honestly a miracle. Awesome oh God. He, she was sitting up perked in her bed and she just looked at me when we were on ward round and she was like, if it wasn't for you, like, I don't think I'd be here. I was prepared to do something in hospital mm. and like I was, you know, I was in pain and somehow, you know, I've found healing. Wow. Um, and wow. like, yeah, I think like just simply, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did in particular, but I think it was simply just by listening and knowing mm. what she truly needed and what was actually causing her that hurt that, you know, she was able, that I was able to find the thing that she needed. And yeah. from that, God did the rest. That's amazing. Mm. I love the connection of that as well to um, like, that's a moment of seeing God, like mm, that which is what this verse is talking about and that it came out of, um, it came out of you being willing to be, to be humble and, and listen. And maybe, maybe that's a beautiful place for purity of heart mm. to be pure in heart is to have 
not not our own agendas, not our own um, need to be like, no, I'm the one who can come in and fix this, or I'm the one who, or she's just like this. She's it's all in her head or whatever it is. But actually, coming kind of open handed into the um, into any situation, perhaps that's speaking to being pure of heart as well. At the end of the day, I think you know, while God gives us our you know our purity in our hearts, it is something for not just for ourselves, but for others. And I think when yeah. we can be single-minded and um, walk in, you know, our, in, I guess, in obedience with God and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, like, be led by him, that hasn't overflowed to the people around us. Yeah, it's reminding me of um, there's a, a beautiful community down here called the Transfiguration Community. Um, and they, one of the values of their community is to disarm the world we first need to disarm our own hearts. Wow. Yeah, I've always loved that as a as a value for a community and just as a statement in general. And I think it really relates here uh, in terms of um, for us who are passionate about um, seeing this world changed, perhaps being pure in heart is a willingness to disarm our own hearts, is a willingness to, yeah. to say, actually, when I when I fight for social justice part of that is me fighting uh for people to to see me doing good things part of that is is me fighting to prove myself part of that is me um having me sitting in kind of the for me as a white man um sitting in the privilege that I have um and recognizing that my motivations come out of that, that I fall into being a rescuer and I fall into into yeah. the Messiah complex and all that kind of stuff. What I what I'm wondering is um yeah. is what is this as as we seek to disarm our own hearts, um what that might have looked like for you and and kind of around maybe it's around practices like what what can we do to, to be trying to um, bring about a, a consistency in our heart, a uh, to disarm our own hearts. What what practices does that look like, do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I love what you said um, about, you know, always just disarming our hearts. Um, and I think that actually looks like, you know, being made clean um, through mm-hmm. the power of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think practically, like, it comes back to having a secret place with God. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important and I think it's something that, you know, is essential really in our walk. Um, I think there are are things in our lives that we, like I think with social media it's so easy to share everything that you're doing and, you know, share your thoughts and every opinion you have and I think there is a beauty in that and a power in that but I think at the end of the day there's always a place for things that only you and God are working on and that you and God are on a journey towards. Mm. Um, And I think, yeah, definitely I've always had to, you know, many, many times I've had to check my motive. Um, And when I do find that, you know, I'm gravitating towards doing something for someone else as opposed to for God, I actually stop myself. And, you know, for example, when I was um, helping out at the homeless shelter that my church, um, was supporting last year. I actually didn't talk to anyone at ch- my church about it because there weren't too, there weren't very many people at my church who were doing it. So it was honestly really only the people who were actually serving at 
the organization that knew. And Mm -hmm. that was an intentional choice for me because Mm. at the time, as I was doing it, I didn't want my heart to become, you know, impure in the sense that I wanted to do it for the sake of doing it. I wanted to be there for the people and not for others who are looking on. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think I've always put that in practice in many different spheres of my life. And if I do find that I'm seeking um, that, I guess, validation from people, I draw back and I come back to God and I'm like, no, like, God, like, how can I, how, what can I do so that I don't allow myself to be in that spotlight um, Mm -hmm. at this very moment so I can be doing this with a right heart and right mind? Yeah, and particularly like in this era of social media, it is a beautiful thing, like very rare but beautiful when um, you you do something and nobody else knows. It's like you and God just have this shared memory or this shared moment that nobody else knows about, and yeah. that that's lovely. And I think, yeah, you're you're getting to know each other better um, by the quietness of that experience, um, to, uh, yeah. And to, to dig deeper into the temperament of God, who, who is God? I think because I grew up in the, in the church, it's so easy to kind of be like, well, it's factual. He's gentle. He's kind, but no, like to, to have a continual curiosity, um, Mm in the day-to-day about who Jesus is and letting that inspire um, our, our pure of heartness. <laughs> I really love that, um, the phrase that you use, like a secret place with God. I think that really sums up well and, and is a really challenging thing to have to, mm. um, to challenge ourselves to, yeah, a secret place with no onlookers mm. um, is, is so important. Um, Hey, it's been, maybe we'll we'll finish it up here. Grace, do you have any more questions? No, but it's just been fantastic to speak to you, Jacinta. Yeah, it's been wonderful to hear. And I love what I'm loving with kind of this podcast. So we had, um, I think it'll be two weeks before this one comes out. We had Tim Costello on, who you said you were just. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm on the same podcast as him. <laughs> <laughs> What's amazing, I think, is that it's, that like we've got this this vet I call him this veteran old man of the yeah. social justice scene and someone who's just kind of like two years into this kind of social justice journey yeah. about is that like that's wonderful to have these different perspectives um coming in so thank you so much for sharing um, yeah thank you for inviting me to be a part of it yeah. oh, such a pleasure Jacinta thank you mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak today about what it means to be pure in heart. Though we are part of a broken world, we thank you that you are our refiner, molding and shaping us so that we can become more like you. We pray that you clean our hands and purify our hearts with the gift of your grace as we stand here with open arms. Have your way, God, so that we may see and love you better, praise you all the more joyfully and so that your purposes can be accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how wonderful to talk to Jacinta. Mm, Thank you so much, Jacinta. Yeah, it's so good. It's wonderful to talk to someone 
Um, after talking with like people who have been in this thing for years and years and years, which many of the people that we've been interviewing have, to talk mm. to her now and just hear like really the beginnings, like the beginnings of this journey into justice uh, yes. in the world, and her like attempting things with her church and um, and her sharing how she like has found it lonely um, and kind of being vulnerable in that sense and just trying to work out how to like so important trying to work out how to be within mainstream church and christianity and Mm. and navigate our way into shaping our lives around this upside down world around the, the kingdom of god and what that means in reality as it plays out in our lives yeah and she lives such a life of intentionality and integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of forethought that goes into the decision that she yeah. makes, um, that is just reflecting her love for Jesus and her knowledge that Jesus is so concerned about every area of life, every part of life. Mm-hmm. That was such a life-giving chat. Thank you again, Jacinta. Yeah, and thank you to our listeners for listening to an Upside Down World podcast. Um, we only have like two of these left to do. Don't cry. Don't cry. We will be crying in our last episode, I'm sure. <laughs> morning, um, actually. Morning. And we will be blessed for doing so. <laughs> now we're just being silly. We'll see you next week. Catch ya. <laughs>